0: Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. Thank team for leading us in an incredible encounter time. Good morning, friends. And this side of the room, good morning, friends. I only have two eyes. I can't do that. Yes. It's wonderful to see you again. Um. For those who don't know me, my name is Brivar. It's my incredible privilege to be part of the eldership team here at Foresight and to bring the Word of God to you today. And I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks, which means I have some built up dad jokes for you. Yes, yes, because that's how it goes. And seeing that we're still close enough to Christmas, I can still tell this one. So, when asked, when Adam was asked, what's his favorite holiday? His response was, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> ah, yes. All right, and seeing that schools are starting this week, and I can hear all the parents going, hallelujah. Um, this one's for the kids. So did you know that math is very holy? Yes, math is holy. We read about it in Genesis already. God says, go forth and multiply. Yes, so... So there you go. If ever you want to complain about math again, now you know it's biblical. <laughs> so friends, I have an interesting topic on my heart today. It's one that God has been journeying with me throughout the whole of last year, and I believe that it's a word for this year. So the title of my preach is simply obedience. It's a word that in the modern day has almost become dirty, to obey because our flesh just wants to rebel, everything in us goes rage against the machine. Yeah, that's what we want to do. We don't like the word obey because, in the modern context, we've assumed that it means that we lose control. But I hope that through today's message, when we get to the other side of it, you will be encouraged. That 2023 will be a year that's different than the past for you. So we're going to start with a very tragic story. We're going to read the whole of 1 Samuel 15. So if you have your Bible here, you can. it's on page 305, okay? So 1 Samuel 15. It goes, Samuel said to Saul, I'm the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over the people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. I want you to highlight that, totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them, put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels, and donkeys. What a lovely Bible story. huh? Yes, I love the Old Testament. It's just incredible. So so Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telium, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from there to there. to Shur, to the east of Egypt, he took Agog, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agog and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and lambs. Everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. And we're going to quickly pause there. I want you to contrast verse 9 with verse 3. Verse 3 says, Now go attack the Melekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Their response is, They keep everything that's nice. Now listen to what happens next. When the word of the Lord came to Samuel, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel and said, I am grieved that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a mountain, uh, a monument in his own honor, and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached uh, reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instruction. So very proud of himself. And we often find ourselves here, and you'll see why I say that now. But Samuel said, what then is the bleating of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Trying to cover. It's like, no, 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 it wasn't me, it's the men. And you know what we're gonna do with this? We're gonna sacrifice it to Jesus. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're we're doing our own thing, but we're doing it for God. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them for the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey Is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back to me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. And Samuel turned to leave. Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of the people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. Agag came to him confidently, thinking, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel left for Ramah, but Saul went up to his home at Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord was grieved that he made Saul king over Israel. Quite a mouthful. An incredible story. And I think it's one that we often find ourselves sharing in, because God has anointed each one of us, and he's appointed each one of us. And despite that, we so often do not want to listen to what he has to say for us. Now, surely this doesn't really sound fair. Now he's, Saul, is the, he's been anointed, he's the king, and he goes, and everything that he's doing, he's going like, but I'm doing this for the Lord. He goes and he kind of destroys everything, keeps the best of the best, justifies it that he's going to sacrifice it to God, and yet his kingship gets revoked because of the way that he executed the God's, God's word. Another good example, which we're not going to read now, but is Lot's wife of a story that sounds extremely unfair. She was told not to look back. She would only looked back once and she turned to a pillar of salt. Not fair. Why? What's the issue with looking back? You know, oftentimes we read biblical stories and we think, why God? This seems mean. This seems totally uncalled for. But you see, the thing is that we need to remember who we are dealing with. See, how did God create? He simply spoke and sons were birthed. Have you ever paused to think of that? Just to ponder upon that point. He spoke and sons were born. Yet we want to question him when he speaks to us. We need to remember who we are dealing with before we want to ask if it is fair because God's picture is so much bigger than ours he sees into seven or into all the generations after us so he knows which wars we need to win today so when he tells us to do something bizarre is it for our own benefit or is it for the benefit of everybody that's supposed to come after us we need to remember that fairness does not come into account when we deal with the creator, God. Being obedient halfway is the same as being lukewarm. And we know in Revelations, Jesus says this, be hot or be cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out. I'm gonna revoke your kingship. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27, Paul tells the story and says, what good is an athlete if he's able to run the race for 80% of the race? You know, he just stops, you know, does that help him? Can he win the prize if he stops 80% of the way? You know that word that, was, that Chris said, you need to start, but then you don't, then you need to not stop. When God gives us something, He expects us to do it 100% of the way. There's no in-between measure that is acceptable to God. He doesn't live in the greys. God lives where there's a right and there's a wrong. And if you're not in the right, everything else is wrong. It's it's an incredible thing to wrap our heads around because we like skimming the greys. We like to go like, yes, but I'm a theology student, so... Can I study on a Sunday? Because it's the day of rest. So if I'm technically studying the Bible, am I not resting then? We do silly things like that. I, I can use that argument because I used that when I was a theology student. Um, <laughs> we do silly things because we want to justify our own comfort ahead of God's instruction. Now, what it actually boils down to is it's man's morality versus God's morality. The difficult for us doesn't lie in choosing between what is good and what is evil. That's really obvious. The difficulty for us lies in what has God said and what is looking good. Because we find ourselves navigating that, that we want to do what looks good. Saul said, "The men wanted to come and sacrifice them. That looks good. it looks honorable. It looks like the right thing to do to come and bring a sacrifice to God. But it wasn't God's instruction. The good and the God, that's where our difficulty lies. That's where our growth lies. Good intentions often contradict God's instruction. We justify our lifestyles like this, we justify our finances, we justify the way that we live buy this, but no, this is a good thing. You know, God gave us a brain so that we can use it. You know, oh, no, I can't, I can't give money to the guy at the robot because he's just going to buy drugs. We justify what we're uncomfortable with by saying, no, this is the good choice opposed to listening to what God is saying to us. It's a question of comfort versus growth. And don't, don't don't fool yourself. You are growing, but you've got a choice. You're either going to be having good growth, which is maturity, which is hard, which is something that asks something of us. It's iron sharpening iron. There's sparks. There's going to be some melting. There's going to be some rough times ahead. That's good growth. Or you're going to experience bad growth. Do you know what we call bad growth? Cancer. Cancer. It's when you're growing without being fruitful, you become something that the body of Christ rejects. Something that needs to be removed because it kills. Good growth asks something of us. Bad growth is easy. Now, how do we measure this? The first thing that we need to look at is, where are we spending our time? What are you busy doing when nobody's around, when you're watching DSTV or Netflix or Showmax or SABC—I'm not sure what you guys watch. Um, what are you reading? Who are you talking to? What are you consuming? How do you measure where you are growing? Chris Chrisilia always says this: "says Show me your friends, and I'll prophesy your future." Who you choose to surround yourself in your inner circle will determine where your future will lie. Whether it be good growth or bad growth. Now, a synonym for obedience in the Bible is love. It's a bizarre statement. It doesn't feel like that to us. But obeying God and loving God is the same thing. Turn with me to John 14 verse 15 to 21. You there? John 14, verse 15 to 21. If you love me, you will obey what I command. I can actually just stop there, just end off the preach, but there we go. And what's incredible about this is that sentence opens up to a promise. Listen to what happens after this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. What does obedience lead to? Obedience leads to a life filled with God. It leads to a life with the Holy Spirit, where Jesus asks the Father for the Holy Spirit for us. Obedience is a beautiful thing, friends. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live on that day. You will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. He is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. You see, I think we often get lost in the gibberish around Christianity, where we go like, oh, but what does it mean to love God? He, he wants these things of us, but how? how what, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus makes it very simple. He says, simply obey. Think about this, if, you're a te- if you've got teenagers in your house or if you are a teenager in the house, what's the best way your parents can feel loved by you? <laughs> if you do the dishes when they ask them, not three hours later. It's the simple things. Christianity is no difference. God does not give us an instruction that he does not give us very practical examples in our life for. You see, obedience is something that births love, because obedience and love are synonyms with trust. Do we really trust Jesus? Do we really trust that he has the best for us? Because if the answer to that is yes, if he says jump, you go, where? And how long? How many times? I will do it. If you trust that Jesus has the best for you, and he tells you to give away all your money, you'll do it. That leads me to tithing. No, I'm joking. (laughs) If if he tells you to do a cartwheel in church, if you trust him, you'll do it. Because it's not a matter of what the people around us think. It's not a matter of what the men are going to say that, no, we need to go sacrifice these to the Lord. It's a matter of Christ speaking to us. And you know what? I trust you, Lord. So I will obey what you're saying because you love me. And I love you back. It's simple. So I thought I will make it practical for us because I love practical theology. Um, And I took the word obey. And for each letter, I kind kind of made a statement. So for O in obey... I I put the statement, it's God over. And then you can insert whatever is there. It's God over my fear. It's God over my insecurities. It's God over my financial issues. It's God over my sin. It's God over my shortcomings. It's God over my skill level. It's God over my promotion. It's God over everything. See, obedience starts with a matter of authority. Who is authority in your life? Because if it's God, then to obey Him is easy. If it's not really God, then to obey Him, you're a chore. Because now I must go greet people at the door and look happy. I don't like people. You (laughs) You know, we we have the ability to really complain about a lot of nonsense. I want you to think of the very first sentence of the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 1. The very, very first sentence of the Bible says, in the beginning, God. And if that does not prove his authority to you, then you don't understand what that sentence is saying. Because if in the beginning, God, then after that, nothing else matters. In the beginning, God establishes the authority that he can create the world in seven, well, in six days and rest on the seventh and go like, oh, I need a chill, I need a break, this is done, this is good. In the beginning, God means that sickness has no place, that shortcomings has no place, that your own limitations has no place, that the family that you are born into has no place. Your past does not determine your future anymore because in the beginning, God, it's a matter of Authority. The issue is what we do, and I'm going to sketch a little situation. Now imagine every time my wife asked me to do the dishes, I go, Rulin, if I don't do the dishes, will you divorce me? <laughs> no. Rulin, if I don't cut the grass, will you divorce me? Is this a divorce issue? Oh, do you want me to pack away? Will you divorce me if I don't do this? Do you guys think my marriage would last? No, because you're constantly throwing, you know, a totally bizarre statement into the mix. You're going like, is this issue big enough that if I don't do this, you will divorce me? That, would she feel loved if that was my approach to her? But now we do this with God. God asks us something and then we say, Jesus, is this a matter of salvation? Will I not go to heaven if I don't do this? Do you think that that's a loving relationship if you, there's that little bit of trust? A video I watched over the holiday, I really laughed at, The guy made the statement and he said, We have so many Christian streakers running around because you know what—they only have the helmet of salvation on, but nothing else. And the issue is that we do that—we live and we go like, "I'm saved, so I can do what I wanna." We don't want to wear—we don't want to wear the belt. We don't want to keep our pants up. We don't want to take the word anywhere. We don't want to fend off the attacks of the enemy. We don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to do the basics. We are all Christian streakers. Stop it, guys. Leads me to the second letter. So O is for God over. B is for basics are the key. Jesus did not make it difficult. We don't have to point in a certain direction, be able to do yoga and get into the panting dog position or whatever. It's simple. It's simple to obey God. It's simple to live in a loving relationship with him. So I've got a couple of easy questions for you because this is how you measure if you're just doing the basics. How often are you spending time with God? What is your Bible reading streak looking like and how often do you pray? Not hard things. And yet it's the things that we neglect the easiest. What conversations are you engaging with And what shows are you watching? What input do you have into your life? It's the basics. Because the eye is the lamp. What the eye sees, the heart will follow. Who is in your accountability community? Who are you walking alongside with? Who are your friends? Who are your inner circle? Who are the people that actually have the ability to look into your eyes and go like, stop it thank you. I hear that laugh. (laughs) And I want to quickly free you guys of a very big thing that I think a lot of Christians walk with. You do not need to memorize the entire Bible. You do need to read the Bible, but it's not on you to remember every theological argument. It's not on you to remember every small intricacy of every single letter of the Bible. It's not on you. Listen to what the Bible says in John 14, verse 26. Let me quickly read 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's incredible. It's not on you to think that now I need to, oh, I battle with memorizing the word of God. It's okay, just read it. You don't need to read the Bible and make a study of every single letter in it. Yes, there are people that are called to that. And it's incredible if that is your ministry. But for most of us, that's not my ministry. So you know what I'm doing? I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. And every time I read stuff, every once in a while, I would read the same scripture that I've read a thousand times. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes. Did you ever think of it like this? And then it's a whole new world that opens up to us. It's not on you to try and memorize everything. Just do the basics. And you know what? He will teach you and he will remind you when the time is right. So the first letter is God over whatever you want to put in there. The second thing is basics are the key. The third letter, E, is engage with the people around you. Now, we all often sit and go like, oh, but Jesus is not speaking to me. I don't have a personal revelation of what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm going to do nothing. The issue is if you're not even going to do what the Bible already tells us to do, how do you expect him to give you anything else to do? If you can't be accountable with little, why will he establish you over much? He wants us to engage with people. He never calls people to an island to go sit there and do nothing. He says, go to the nations. So, how do you do this practically? It's very easy. You just ask questions and really care about what people have to answer. If you ask somebody about their children, and you remember what they tell you about their children, you will have won a friend forever. If you ask somebody about his interests, And they tell you, and you remember, and the next conversation you continue with that interest, or you go read up and you just do a little bit of effort. You know what? You've got a friend for life. It's not hard to engage with people. All it takes is to die to yourself. The issue is that we're so wrapped up in us that we sit and we go like, and somebody tells you something, you go like, but that's nothing like what I'm going through. Your troubles are nothing in comparison to mine. Everything is a competition. And we become so blinded and so deaf to the people around us that we don't have the ability to really just take note. Because if somebody takes note of you, what's your immediate response? You go away and you go like, I actually feel like you saw me. I feel like she saw me. I feel like we had a good conversation. That's an awesome person. And it's all a matter of just being able to ask questions. And it's not big theological question, friend. You don't need to think, oh, now I need a degree. You just need to speak to people. Like the, the most incredible place to do that is, is in your workplace. You're already stuck with people there in prison for eight hours a day. You know, if you, need to, if you are forced to go into the office, you know. <laughs> You're there, they're there. You're, I mean, speaking is gonna happen. Just take an interest. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will do what? He will remind you at the right time, and the right place, where you can introduce him, but be there. I always love the story where Peter gets the instruction from the Lord to go to a place and he walks there. And as he walks there, when his shadow falls on people, they get healed. Would they have gotten healed if if he wasn't there? No, the proximity is an important thing. I think the biggest lie of social media is to say that we can be connected without being in the same room. There's a big thing happening in the world. Um, And we have, Chris has preached on that a bit, but the Babylonian spirit does three things. The first thing that it does is it tries to close the church, (coughs) COVID. Um, If it can't get that right, it tries to soften the message of the church. It tries to make away with words like the blood of Jesus, because it's offensive. The goriness of who our God is, the fact that there is a hell. The fact that Jesus died for our sins and he's the only way. There's not many ways up and, up onto this mountain. There's one way. It's the way. It's Christ. He is the door to the Father. And if, if the Babylonian spirit can't get that right, you know it. He's, he goes for the kids. He tries to cut off the next generation. You know why? We see that in Joshua. Joshua makes the statement. He says, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then in the very next chapter in the Bible, you say, the whole of Israel forgot who Jesus was or who the Lord was because they internalized Christ so much they never shared him. It's a good statement. By all means, go and serve the Lord, but make sure it leaves your premises. Make sure that you don't turn into a submarine Christian. Sunday, rest of the week. Don't be that guy. Sorry, cameraman. <laughs> Woo, you got me. Huh. All right, um, <laughs> And this might come as a big shock to you, but did you know that Sunday services primarily is not for the lost? This gathering that we have here is the intent of this is not to save the lost. The intent of this is to equip the saved. Because the rest of the week is intended to save the lost. See, what we do here on a Sunday, and I said it in a previous preach, preachers don't save people. Relationships do. If you had to count on your, on your fingers the amount of life-changing preachers you've had, I mean, by the time you're 70, how many preachers have you been to? Why are you still just doing what you're doing? A preach doesn't change you, but the choice to be obedient does. So engaging with people is the call. The reality is if that if you are not even willing to engage with the people that are always around you, why would God give you a different calling? You can't even be faithful with the one that he's already given you. So O is for God over everything. B is basics is the key. E is engage with the people around you. And the Y is yearn for a better relationship with God. There must be a yearning in your heart to get to know him better. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, ask and you will receive. But we don't ask. Because we don't pray, we don't spend time. Or if we do ask, we ask selfishly. We go like, oh, I want a red Ferrari on the pothole roads of South Africa. Good luck with that. Then it says, seek, and we will find. But one of the words, I think it was in the prayer meeting this morning is that sometimes we start breaking the ground And the first two, three, four hits are very exciting because the ground starts shaking and it's loosening up. Looks like Superman's gonna start flying. The dirt goes into the air. It's incredible. And then it becomes hard work because the seeking isn't, oh, I haven't found gold yet. And then we stop. There's no perseverance. So we don't find. We don't ask, so we can't receive. We don't seek, so we don't find. And then we don't knock. So the door won't open to us. The incredible part of this is that it's all available to each one of you. You don't need something special. You don't need a degree. Jesus chose illiterate people to follow him because the wise people were so full of themselves they didn't know how to. So friends, I encourage you, yearn for a deeper relationship. Ask God. If you have a need, if you have a desire, if you have a dream, if you have a hope, who do you think put it there? If we can say that in the beginning, God, can we not say that, you know what, this dream that I have in my heart, you know, maybe it's not really my dream. Jesus, is this something I must pursue? Let me quickly, quickly tell you a bit of my story. I was studying theology And in my third year, God said, you're done. You're not going to finish theology. I want you to make music. And I was like, huh? Because now you must realize the next 40, 50 songs that I wrote were all super soppy love songs. It's only recently that I've been able to actually start writing church music, gospel music. But what comes naturally out of me is this sopic, romantic music. It's like, oh. Huh? And I was confused. I was standing, I said, but Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? It's like, you're calling me away from theology. I know so many people that reach 60 and they go, like, oh, I need to go study theology all of a sudden. It's like, what's going on? Fast forward a couple of years, I now run a successful music school because I was faithful in the fact that I left my studies I said, but God, I trust you. I don't understand where I'm going. I don't know where this promised land is that you're leading me to. But now I get to run a business and I get to influence and interface with 40 to 50 children a week that I have personal one-on-one relationships with. The, it's such an incredible privilege for me. I can't really even fathom it. Disobedient and continued with my theological studies, I would probably be stuck in a church where I would not really know Jesus because the studies would have killed me. It's not everybody's story, but that's my story. The reality is that we need to ask God, is this from you? And if he says yes, trust him. Run with it. Persevere with it. Don't stop when beating the ground is not delivering quick results. Nothing that's worthwhile Is easy to find. And God promises this in James 4, verse 7 to 10. It comes down to this. He says, if you draw close to me, what will he do? What's the promise he gives us? He will draw close to us. If I draw close to Jesus, he will draw close to me. It's an incredible thing. The moment you start pressing into that relationship, it's like revelations just become the norm. Seeing things differently becomes the norm. So let's quickly run through those letters again. What does the O stand for? God over, let's just say everything. The second thing is B's basics are the key. E. Engage with people around you. And why? Yearn for a better relationship with God. Now friends, don't let kingship be torn from you by not completing the instructions God has given you. Because we do that ourselves. It's not God hating us. It's not anything else than us not completing the race. Don't let the entire expression of your faith be wrapped up in a Sunday service. It's wonderful to serve a church, but please don't let this be the only place where you love people. The world needs happy and joyful and hopeful Christians to live among them. Because if you look at the news, if you look at Twitter, if you look at any space you're on, it's devastation. And the economy is crashing. And oh. Do you think God is caught by surprise? No. We need to be different in the place where they need to see us be different. It's very easy to be happy and joyful here because we're all weird. So you can just be your weird little self and it's fine. But the reality is we need to be weird there. We need to be so radically weird there that they go like, what's, what's wrong with you? Then you can say, Jesus. Because he saved me from myself. And you know what? I trust him and I love him and I obey him. And when he tells me to do something, I do it. Because that looks bizarre to the world. Don't let your good intentions stand in the way of a deeper and much more real relationship with Jesus. Serving God is not a comfortable thing. It's meant to challenge our innermost being. And at the beginning of 2023, I want to challenge you with this. Don't be comfortable. Don't be comfortable with your level of relationship. Don't be comfortable with your level of revelation. Don't be comfortable with your work position. Don't be comfortable with anything in your life, but allow God to make you uncomfortable and grow you. Be a good growth. Become a mature Christian. Be called to more. Be called to the place where if somebody asks you a difficult question, you can tell them, I know this one. My Jesus says this. Settle in your heart who the authority is in your life. It's God over your situation. The basics are all you need to engage in a life-changing conversation and act. Then we all yearn for a deeper relationship with God. The way that we love one another and the way that we love Jesus ignites other people to love Him the same way. If the people who follow you were to serve Jesus the way that you're serving him now, how will that church look? How will that relationship look? If the people that are in your immediate circle served God the way that you do. It's not supposed to be a comfortable statement that. I'm hoping that at the beginning of 2023, we can all stand up and say, but I want this year to be a year of obedience. I want this year to look different than what I did things in the past. And you know what? Being obedient is a tricky, tricky thing. So I recently heard this statement and it was such a beautiful statement for me. The guy says, you know what the thing is? Regardless of what your sin is, whether you're gay, whether you're queer, whether you're a murderer, whether you are disobedient, whatever that thing is, wherever you fit into that spectrum of things that are missing the point of God, Come to Jesus. He loves you. But the moment you accept him as the authority in your life, you know what? Do what he did for you. He died for you. So now you die for him. That means you die to your old self. For me, I had to die to computer gaming. I was thoroughly addicted. You can say amen again. I was so addicted that I was neglecting my wife and my, and my firstborn child when he was born. To the point where last year at the church fast, I started fasting and I realized with a baby boy in the house, food fasting is not gonna happen for me this year because my wife was pregnant with the second one, so she was not happening, she are. Um, so I had to kind of be in the front. So I was like, okay, I will fast gaming. In the second week, I woke up and I'm like, sure, I don't have a headache today, that's weird. And I I realized for a whole week, I was nauseous. I was having headaches. I was having withdrawal symptoms from not playing computer games because that's how addicted I was. Don't think that drugs and alcohol is the only thing you can get addicted to. Don't fool yourself. There's a real reality to the enemy wanting to keep you at bay. And the crazy thing is, the moment I stopped gaming... I won about 50 hours a week. I never did the math until I stopped. And I was like, sure, I have a life. All of a sudden I can do things. I can accomplish things. And you know what? We were praying about leaving Krugersdorp at the beginning of last year. We were like, Jesus, we, we feel like we're not being seen here. We feel like this isn't our place. This is not where we're supposed to be. And we sent to our accountability partners and said, friends, please pray with us we are busy with a big life decision and whatever God tells you, just tell us if He gives you a scripture or whatever. And all five couples, I kid you not, within a week, came back to us and said, God is saying no. What are you praying for? <laughs> we were like, also call up to man. Fatmanati parallel too. Um you know. But the reality is the moment we said, All right, God, you're saying no, we must stay the doors in my business opened up. I can't explain it. I didn't pray for it. Business deals that started three years ago, like the year before COVID hit. I was 100% convinced those deals were good, done and dusted. They're not gonna happen ever. All of a sudden, they start phoning me. Say, look, Brewer, look, the time is this year. Let's do it. Can you do us a new quote? Out of nowhere. And obedience leads to that place where God puts you where he wants you so that you can do what you're supposed to. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. Obedience doesn't mean all of a sudden your business is just going to flourish. You need to be obedient in the things that God wants you to do. And you do it for the sake of obedience. You don't do it for the sake of the reward because then you're just in it again selfishly. We serve Jesus because of what he has done, not because of what we can gain. The gain is a bo- is a bonus. So I want us to make a commitment together. And I want want us to keep each other accountable for this commitment for the whole year. There's a real reality that the harvest is ready. Whenever we see great persecution of the church and worldwide persecution of the church, we know that there's a great harvest waiting to be collected. And I want to believe that we want to be the workers collecting that harvest. The Bible says there are few, but... If you raise your hand, God will use you. He would love to make you part of the harvesting team. So, if you want to complete God's instruction for you, I want you to raise your hand. And just keep it there for a moment. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. If you want to obey God this year and actually live in a fulfilling relationship with Him, raise your hand. If you want to be part of what God is doing in 2023, in your own life, in Foresight, in Krugersdorp, in the West Rand, in Gauteng, in South Africa, into the whole world, raise your hand. If you want to repent because you know that you haven't been obedient, raise your hand. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. Let's live in the words that God has spoken over us as friends, as a family, as Foresight. Love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And let's get stuck in each other's lives this year. Let's die to ourselves and let's live for the one who made us alive. Jesus, you see these hands. <laughs> you see us expecting waiting for you to reveal yourself. In Romans, Paul writes and says, the whole of creation is eagerly awaiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And Jesus, we are saying, here we are. In this year, Jesus, we pray that we will be obedient. We pray that when you give us an instruction, we know that we're not only fighting for ourselves, but we're fighting for every generation that comes after us. Jesus, I pray that we will follow your word to the T, that we will trust you and that we will grow in our loving relationship with you. Let 2023 20, be a year of obedience for us because obe- obeying you, Jesus, is loving you and loving you means trusting you and we wanna trust you in everything and Jesus, we are earnestly asking for this. We are deeply seeking this. We are loudly Knocking on your door. And you promise that you will meet us there. You will draw close to us. And as we obey you, Jesus, we pray that your miracles will save the lost. We pray that we won't be submarines, but that we will be so visible like a city on a hill, a lamp on a lampstand, that your light will shine into a world that needs hope that so desperately desires hope. And Jesus, I pray that we will stop thinking that Sunday is the be-all and end-all of being a Christian, but that we will start living every single breath in honor of you. Let us love the people around us in the way that you loved us, even when we were still sinners. You left the 99 to come fetch us, the weird and wacky, bizarre bunch that we are. Jesus, you come and you fetch us You save us from the claws of death and you bring us into life. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we desire more of you and we yearn for a deeper relationship with you. May 2023 be the year where we continually encounter you afresh. Holy Spirit, we don't want to settle for the normal. We only want to settle for a life fulfilled in you total obedience to the god that we love and trust because in the beginning god you are our authority you are our truth jesus you are the way the truth and the life and by your blood we've been reconciled unto god may us may you lead us in our relationship with the father more and more in jesus beautiful Incredible, powerful name we pray. Amen.